Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you all. Thanks for being here this morning. And uh, we are going to continue a series that we started last weekend called Love Like Jesus. And we're talking over these next, over last week and this week, these two weeks, over two of the most important relational principles there are in the world. I would go so far as to say uh, whether you are a follower of Jesus of Christ, Jesus Christ today or you are considering it regardless of where you are in terms of your faith journey, these relational principles are immutable, unchangeable. If you don't have them, you're not going to make it. The relationships will never have the opportunity to be healthy and to be able to grow and to be, become all that they were intended to be. As we talked about last week, you probably noticed that, that if you're unwilling to forgive other people, there's only so far that the relationship's going to go. If other people will not forgive you, you have zero grace in your relationships. There's only so far. Just, the relationship's going to stop. And as a matter of fact, many times will end based on the willingness to forgive. Uh, and we looked at last week, sort of our jumping off place is this command that Jesus gave the night before his trial and crucifixion. He was gathered with his disciples. It was right before the Last Supper. And he gives this command to all of those who were there. In John chapter 13, uh, verses 34 and 35, this is what Jesus said. This was what he asked all of his followers to do. He said this. If you would, let's read these highlighted words together. This is a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another, right? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The word disciple means follower, Jesus was basically saying, this is the one distinguishing characteristic of you as a follower of me. If you call yourself a Christian, a Christian, that this ought to be true of you, that you're quick to love. And so we talked about what does that look like? How is that lived out in everyday life? Where are the places that it is most complicated, most difficult, most challenging to do? Where are those sticking places that we find ourselves saying, ah, I'll go with you, Jesus, all the way up to here, and then I can't really go any further. That's just too hard. One of those places that Jesus went often was forgiving sinners. All the way, not just through his life and his ministry, but all the way up to the cross, as we looked at last week, he's literally hanging on the cross and he's praying on behalf of those who just crucified him, those who are executors, those who are murdering him, and he's praying for their forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. They don't realize what they're doing. He's forgiving sinners. And we looked at last week, and if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and watch it because the content of what Jesus says is so powerful, so life-changing. I've had other people say, I didn't realize how important it was for me to forgive. And since doing that, it has been incredible how it has released me from some, like, I didn't even realize spiritual bondage in my life from my past that those people are still tormenting me because I've not forgiven 
I'm, I, I don't even, they're not even my life. Sometimes they're not even alive anymore. They're gone. They're dead and gone. But you've, your unforgiveness is creating this torture that continues to happen in you because you've not been willing to forgive. But here's what Jesus did, and here's what we discovered together as we looked at the passages in the New Testament and what they say about this, is that forgiving others doesn't always change them, but it does always change us. It always changes you for the better. If you can ask for God's help and do the hard work of learning to forgive those who have sinned against you, that have hurt you. This isn't even like negotiable, like maybe they hurt you. No, full on, absolutely, nobody would question it. Yes, they should not have done that. That was a horrible offense, and you, you're, you're left to have to forgive that. And here's the other one that we came across last week, kind of like discovery, is that forgiveness, it won't change the past. Nothing is going to change the past, but it will always change your future. What is, your story is your story, but God can use that story. And just because that was your past or that defined you in the past, it does not mean that it has to define your future. If the Old Testament story of Moses and the Exodus and God using him to emancipate his people out of Egyptian slavery and moving into the promised land that was played over and over and over and over. If you've read through the Old Testament, God continues to say, I'm the God that rescued you out of slavery. I'm the God who brought you into the promised land. I'm the God. I'm the God. He says, I'm not, I don't want you to forget this. And because this theme plays out throughout the life of God's people all the way through the ministry of Jesus Christ, I'm the God that doesn't define your future by your past. Just because that used to be true of you guys doesn't mean that that has to become the man that you are. Or ladies, just because you used to do this does not mean that this is going to be the defining factor of your future. With God's help, through forgiveness a whole new future opens up. It's amazing. So this week, we're going to shift gears a little bit and look at another relational dynamic principle that I think could radically change, radically change what your marriage looks like, what your home life looks like, maybe even your workplace, your circle of friends, your small group, how you relate to each other. It has such powerful ramifications in our life today but we're going to pick up the story a little bit earlier in the exact same chapter. It's going to be John chapter 13. We're going to start with verse 3. And here's what we're told about Jesus. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. In other words, Jesus was secure in who he was. What he's about to do next for the disciples, he is not doing for them so that he can kind of build his ego or to make himself feel good or to convince them that he's awesome. He already knows he's awesome, all right? He already knows who he is. He already knows he came from the Father. There's something so powerful about this that when we understand who we are in God, when we understand our identity in Jesus Christ, we're not trying to constantly seek it from other people. Tell me, affirm me, let me have this from you all the time. Jesus knew who he was, and he, what he was about to do for the disciples, he was simply doing for them. He wasn't trying to get something from them. Sometimes when we serve and do things, we're looking for 
something from people. But Jesus shows us a beautiful example here. And what's incredible is that in Luke 22, talking about the same night, same events, Luke tells us that there was an argument that breaks out among the disciples. And the, the core question being asked in this, this, this uh, argument is, who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's going to be the greatest in this new kingdom that Jesus is about to set up? And I'm sure that John, the beloved, I'm just sort of making this up. It's not written, but John says, uh, hey, I'm the beloved. So probably, you know, I'm your boy, Jesus, you know, to which uh, Peter would have quickly said, well, I walked on water, so there's that, you know, I mean, uh, who else? Anybody else try that? They probably maybe looked over and said, what you got, Bartholomew? He's just like, I'm just glad to be here, okay? <laughs> you know, and so all this discussion is going on, and Jesus responds to this argument, if you will, with this. The one who is the greatest is the one who is your servant. If you really want to be great in God's economy of things, learn how to serve. And what happens next, ladies and gentlemen, is nothing short of a mind-blowing, I mean, history-altering moment of a display of God's love through Jesus. And here's what happens in verse 4. We're told, so he got up, he being Jesus, from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter. Simon Peter was always the mouthpiece for the disciples. He's always the first one to speak up. He says, wait, 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 wait. He said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now, so let me explain something about culturally what's happening here. If you were to, in the first century, to come to someone's home, especially a Jewish home, and all these guys were Jewish, and by their descent and their rearing and of, as young men, you would have been kissed probably on both cheeks, and you would have had to offer, can we wash your feet? You know, everybody wore sandals. It was hot in the Middle East, still is hot. It was dusty. It was gross. You got sweaty feet with dust collected all over it, mud between the toes, you know, nasty, probably didn't smell great. They're like, you know, we're doing this for you, but really kind of doing this for us too. Can we wash your feet, please, you know? And, but when the homeowner would offer that to their guest they would never be the one to actually wash the feet. They had servants. They had slaves to do that. And literally, they would bring in the lowest level slave to wash the feet. It was like the most humiliating task of their society if you were one who knelt down and washed feet and cleaned feet. That was an incredibly disgusting job to them. So, when Jesus stands up and puts a slave apron on, kneels down with a bucket of water and starts washing feet, there is a collective gasp in the room. Are you kidding me? Jesus really doing it? I mean, they're speechless. Peter's the first one to speak up. like, no, Jesus, no, 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 no. You cannot. This is not, this is not okay. You should not be doing this. If anybody should not be doing this, it's you. You should not. You outrank all of us. You're the most important person in the room, and look what you're doing. This can't be happening right here. But Jesus is teaching us a powerful principle, ladies and gentlemen. The more power and authority that you have, the more of a servant you should be to the people around you. 
The more you get moved up in whatever organization that you run or are part of, if you're a daddy now, you're a mommy now, and you've been blessed, you've got kids, you know if you're going to do that role well, you've got to learn how to be a servant to those around you. This is just part of being what Jesus would say, a proper, godly servant. This is what it means to really to serve people. And what's interesting is that Jesus goes on to say, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, in other words, yes, I haven't lost my position. By me doing this, it didn't mean that somehow I'm beneath all of you now and then I, I have no importance, that I have lost my, um, you know, uh, my self-esteem. I, 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 I not, I'm still the same guy. I'm still the Lord and teacher. I have washed your feet. So also, you also should wash, let's say this together, wash one another's feet. I have set you and example that you should do as I have done for you. Anytime Jesus says, I have set for you an example, we don't have to debate about it. We don't have to argue about it, whether we should follow this model for our life. He's saying straight up, this is your example to follow. If you are my follower, here's your example, that there is a metaphorical equivalent to foot washing all around you. I don't care where you live, what context, what part of history you live in, your family life, your work life. There are people all around you that I want you to serve. And I want to set an example for you. And he goes on to say this in the next verse. His very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be, let's say it loud and proud, you will be blessed if you do them. In other words, listen, this carries with it an inherent blessing. It will give your life deeper meaning and purpose to look for ways that you can serve others, to listen quicker than you speak, to put other people's needs before your own to think about how you can serve them, how you can help them, how you can assist them, how you can get up under their burden for their benefit and to help those people around you. This is powerful, ladies and gentlemen. This is life-changing. It's relationship-altering if we actually begin to apply this. Essentially, what Jesus is saying is that I want you to begin to submit yourself to those around you. I want to, you to begin to consider their needs before your own. And later you see the Apostle Paul taking this teaching of Jesus, this great command and this foot washing, and he's showing us how that's lived out in the context of relationships in places like Philippians chapter 2, nearly the entire first half of the chapter. He's laying out, consider others before yourself, have the same mind as that of Jesus Christ. I want you to serve one another. I want you to put other people first. It is this relational dynamic that I want to call today mutual submission. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is the idea that I am going to put you first, you're going to put me first, we're going to serve each other, we're going to put each other before ourselves. And essentially, when you're practicing mutual submission in your marriage, in your home, in your workplace, 
You're essentially saying to the other person, I'm going to loan you my power, my influence, my assets, my talent, my time, my money, whatever I have, whatever resources, my intellect for your benefit. I'm going to use what God has given me to benefit you. This is huge. This is huge. This, this changes everything to begin to live like this and to begin to exercise this kind of love, this kind of service in the context of our relationships. And when we begin to function with this mutual submission in our homes, I mean, think about this for just a minute. If we, everybody began to do this, wouldn't it just radically change your home that everybody is trying to serve everybody? Because when you start to do mutual submission, it begs us to ask a question. And here's the question it begs us to, oh, pardon me, before we jump to that, let me share with you a place where Paul shared this in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for, let's say it together, for Christ. Now, it's so important that he says, I want you to practice mutual submission to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and not out of reverence for one another. You know why? Because sometimes we're not really reverence worthy, all right? We do things that other people go, I can't really revere what you just did or what you just said, right? I'm sorry, you know, I love you, but you're not really reverence worthy. And but Jesus always is. So he's saying, out of reverence for Jesus, do you have any appreciation, gratitude, love for Jesus? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you appreciate what he did for you, his love, his, his gift of mercy and, and grace and salvation. He says, I want you to channel some of that towards the other people in your life. I want you to show God how much you love him by showing other people how much you love them. I want you to serve those around you in this way. And this kind of mutual submission begs to, us to ask the question, and here's the question, how can I help? How can I help? I want us to say this together. Ready? One, two, three. How can I help? How can I help? Now, even when you just say that out loud, there's something in you, most people that would say, that's just the right thing that I should be asking. If I say I really love somebody, I really care about them, I care about my spouse, I care about my kids, I care about my friends, I care about my coworkers, I, I, I should be asking, how can I help? And, and think about this for a second. If everybody in the context of your family, every person, at some point in the day, asks this question of each of the other people in the family, wouldn't that be a game changer? Wouldn't that radically change the dynamic of a family? For some of you would say, wow, that would be a world apart from the dynamic we got right now, all right? Very, very different. You cannot ask this question and be self-absorbed in that moment. You cannot ask this question and it's all about me and I don't give a rip about you. You have to get outside of yourself if you're genuinely asking the question, of how can I leverage what I have and who I am for your benefit? What if, what if husbands and wives began to, at least once a day, husbands, you ask your wife, how can I help? How can I be of help to you? Wives, asking your husbands, how can I help? Wouldn't this, I mean, if we really meant it, for some of you, if you're honest, you'd, this would change our marriage. 
radically change our marriage. Because most of our conversations, if I'm really honest, it's me trying to get from him what I need, and I'm trying to get from her what I need, and we're trying to, we're just trying to, just trying to survive. But we're trying, if we come back to this and say, let's ask this difficult question. It's so crazy how this can change everything. Jesus was so brilliant on so many levels, being God in the flesh. We need to listen to him on this one, all right? It's interesting that later, the Apostle Paul, again, taking this teaching of Jesus and showing us how it's fleshed out, how do we live this out in everyday life, over in Romans, his, his, his uh, letter to the church in Rome, the, 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 these Roman Christians, he wrote to them over in chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, and I want to read it to you from the message translation. He lays it out so beautifully straightforward. How do we live out this kind of how can I help mentality? Here's what it says. Each one of us, or pardon me, those who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter, not just do what is most convenient for us. Why did he say that? Because our default setting is just to do what's convenient for us. Let's be honest. Me too. That's what, that's what we all just want to do, right? But he's saying this. This is such a profound statement. Strength is for, let's say it together, strength is for service, not status. Think about that for a second. Strength in all of its forms is for service, not status. Financial strength intellectual strength, physical strength, the positional strength within an organization. You've got more authority than someone else. It is for service, not status. And isn't it true when people get into places of leadership, whether it's politicians or whether it's people that are become millionaires or that are wealthy, that are powerful, and you see them leverage their strength for nothing but status, doesn't it make you a little bit sick at your stomach? Let's be honest. It's frustrating. What kind of difference could that person make if they would leverage some of that for service instead of just status? Just for them, self-consumption. Paul is telling us I know you as human beings are gravitating towards if I could just get what I want, when I want it, and how I want it, I'll be so happy. And he says, no, you won't. We've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. You won't. We've got a generation of people that are rushing to the end of that story faster than ever before, and they're more depressed than they've ever been in the history of this nation. And he's saying, listen, there is something to this. I'm telling you, if you learn how to use your strength for service, not status, your life all of a sudden has powerful purpose and meaning, and God will use you to make a difference in this world, and that is so infinitely more satisfying than status. He goes on to say this, each one of us, each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, let's say it together, asking ourselves, how can I help? Some of you are going, that's in the Bible? Yes, right there in the Bible. That's right. I didn't make that up. <laughs> it's beautiful. 
How can I help? Now let's talk about practical reality application. How do we really live this out in everyday life? And and there's obviously in every context that you can imagine where there's another human being with you, you can apply this. You can ask the question in any context. But I would like to, for the next couple of minutes, to start with those relationships that are closest to you, that concentric circle, the closest, tightest one to you. If you're married, it's your spouse and it's your children. It's those who live with you, those you are closest to, those that are most important to you, that you love the most. Let's talk about those relationships for just a minute, okay? So for those who are kids in the room, whether you're um, elementary age, middle school, junior high, high school, you're a teenager, you're a college student, um, but you're still functionally living off of mom and dad, uh, or even if you're fresh out of the house, I mean, we're many of us that are adult kids, this still applies to us. But let me just talk to the kids for just a minute. Kids, This is such a powerful question for you to begin to ask at home. Now, let me just be honest with you. The first time you come into the room and you ask mom and dad, how can I be of help or how can I help? They're probably going to fall in the floor, all right? You may have to give them a minute because they're going to like need to be, you know, revived. They'll want to pass out. So it's really cool. The first time or two, you'll get credit for asking the question. They probably won't even tell you to do anything. It'll just be, be great. But let me just say that if you want to get a little extra credit, wait till your mom and dad's friends are over, okay? <laughs> You're in the living room, talking, and you come in, mother and father, is there anything I can do to help? To which your, your, your parents' friends will turn and look at them and say, teach us, we will sit at your feet, teach us what you've learned. About, we know nothing about parenting, help us, all right? I'm telling you, this is so powerful. And some of your kids are going, why would adults freak out so much? Here's why they would freak out so much. Because most kids think that everything is all about them. And they never ask a question like that. And it's a detriment to you and to your family. Begin to ask the question and all of a sudden you begin to add value to everybody you ask it to. You add value to every organization you belong to. When you show up for work and you start asking that question, now all of a sudden you're a valuable employee. They don't want to let you go because you add value. You're helping. You're making this place better everywhere you go. It's powerful how it changes the dynamic of every relationship around you. And it is contagious. When one person starts asking the question, others begin to ask it too. It's powerful. Now, for those of you parents in the room, I know parenting, depending on what stage of parenting you are at, it can, be, it can go negative really fast and be really difficult, especially if you're with the kids all day long. It feels like all you're doing is information and correction, information and correction. You're just trying to instruct and correct all the time. But I want to tell you, from the time that you feel like that maybe they can understand your words, take a moment out of your day and ask this question. Sweetheart, hey, little buddy, let me ask, is there anything I can do to help you? I want you, it's so important that you know that daddy is for you, that mommy is for you. Like, I know sometimes we have disagreements, and I have to correct you, and I have to discipline you, but I am on your side. This is not, I don't want them to grow up and feel like it's a battle of the wills all the time. They need to know I'm crazy about, I love them, I'm for them. 
It's amazing when kids begin to understand that, like deep down in their little hearts, it puts credibility and influence money in your account. It allows you to speak into their life in a more powerful way. There's coming the year. Some of you are not quite there yet. Let me just speak for one that's been through it and about to go through it again. There's coming some years. If you're not careful, the volume knob of your voice gets turned way down. They ain't going to listen to you. And they're going to be turning other people way up. And their opinion matters much more than yours. Because they feel like maybe they care more. They get, they get them more than you do. And I just want to encourage you to show love and kindness. Show them you're on their side. And you're not going to agree with every decision that they make. But they need to know that you love them. And that you care about them and you serve them in this way. Now let me talk to the ladies in the room, especially to those of you who are married or maybe about to be married. I just want to encourage you to ask that question of your husband, your fiance, person that you're dating. Um, ask the question. And I, 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 let me just say, ladies, the guys many times are going to say, no, I'm good. You don't need, there's nothing, I don't need anything, you know, just speaking on behalf of that half of the uh, human race. Many times we're going we're gonna to act like it's all good, it's fine, good, I got it, you know. But I think just knowing that you're there and you're willing to ask the question and to be able to say, hey, I, I understand you carry a burden. I understand you, there's a lot of responsibility that you carry every single day. I just want you to know I, I appreciate that and I love you and whatever I can do to help, I'm here. And, and, and say it often. And guys, conversely, we need to do this exact same thing. And I know a lot of guys will push back on a question like that saying, no, I don't want to ask that question, man, because she's just going to have some stuff for me to do. (laughs) And the one thing I don't want to do more of is stuff, right? You know, I just want to chill, just leave me alone, right? But I'm telling you, This is the thing that brings you closer together, to let her know, I know you do a million things around here that I I benefit from, I take advantage of, I I don't thank you enough. You do so much. You carry a burden too. You have so many responsibilities that I don't applaud enough, and I appreciate you. I love you. I'm for you. It is so powerful, guys, what that will do to begin to lower whatever wall maybe have crept up between you and her. And it's amazing how if your hope is that there will be greater intimacy in your relationship, this is a powerful dynamic that helps you to grow closer together. And you can't get there without it. And the thing that's just kind of amazing about this, 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 this powerful dynamic, is that it is a relational dynamic that many times we feel like if I say that to somebody... Whoever that somebody is, I'm scared, Will. I'm scared that I'm going to lose some control of my life. I am afraid that they're going to take advantage of the question. But let me just tell you this. that the, Here's the irony of that fear. The very thing that we're unwilling to give because we're scared is the one thing that is necessary to have the marriage, the family, the healthy relationships that you've always wanted. Most people have the potential to have a much better marriage than the one they have, much better family life, much better contacts at work than they really have, but they're unwilling to give the one thing that's necessary to get them there, to be willing to ask a tough question like that. 
It's powerful how it changes the dynamic of the relationship. As I said earlier, I think it's the most powerful relational dynamic that there is, and Jesus taught it. He changed the world when he taught it. And I know it's so hard to ask this question, but when you want to ask it the least is when you need to ask it the most. When you want to ask it the least is when you need to ask it the most. This is when it's so important for you to ask the question. It's when you're just, oh, this is going to be hard. This is going to be difficult. I don't really feel like it right now. I love that Jesus never said, I want you to go feel love towards people. He just said, no, I want you to go love them. Go verb. Put the verb into action. Just go do it. And later he tells us in Matthew 6, 21, he says, and where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you choose to love them, if you do the love, you put the treasure of your time and your money and your energy and your effort into it, it's amazing how your heart will catch up. Like, I, I don't feel it right now, Will. That's okay. Keep doing it. Your heart will catch up. It's amazing how it works. So powerful. And the thing is, that regardless of what your context, of what your role is, maybe you're a grandparent right now, maybe you're a mom or a dad, you're a sister, brother, aunt, uncle, son, daughter, doesn't matter who you are, that when you go into your relationships and with your friends or whoever it is that God is saying, I want you to begin to serve better, I want you to show my love better. In other words, I want you to look at that person and say, I want to bear up under your burden for your benefit. I want to help you. I know you're going through a hard time. And we get up under each other's burdens and to benefit each other, benefit each other. Because you know why? Jesus did that for us. He got up under our sin burden and he leveraged everything he had, his power, his authority, his life, everything. And in that moment, he put us before himself he went second. He put us first. And he died for us. He says, let me get up under that sin burden and I will take care of that for you. Let me help set you free from that forever. And I will forgive and I will offer grace and mercy and forgiveness that you would never be able to deserve or earn. And you can be free. And once you receive it, I want you to go out and live my love in a world that is starving for it, that is looking for it everywhere. I want you to love like me by serving like me. And if you will do it, you will be blessed in what you do. And here's the prayer of application, or the application prayer I want you to pray with me today. Simply saying, Jesus, I commit to put others before myself by asking, how can I help wherever I am? whatever context you find yourself. Thank you for putting me before yourself on the cross, Jesus. So right here today, I want to ask you if you would just in these next couple of minutes just to pray to God and say, Lord, I am committing to you to begin to ask this difficult question, how can I help in some of my most important relationships? Even if today you're not quite sure you're ready to step over the line of faith and become a Christian, be a follower of Jesus you can begin today by just saying, I'm just going to trust this question. I'm going to start right there, and then I'll take the next step next week. I'll just take this one step, and that's okay. That's fine. And, and, and I want you just to start there. Trust him. Some of you are saying, no, I'm ready to, to dive totally into this relationship with Jesus Christ, and I want to receive his love and forgiveness, and I want to be able to 
offer that love and forgiveness to those in my life with the assistance of the Spirit of God. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.